From WERA 96.7 in Arlington, this is Formative Tracks, the show where we sit down with D.C. area musicians to talk about the top five songs that made them who they are. I'm Eliza Burkhan. Today we've got Christopher Matthews Larson of solo project Grave Nature in the studio. Welcome, Chris. Hello. Um, So Grave Nature is all ambient music with little to no vocals, correct? That's correct. Um, I would say it definitely fits the ambient, um, the ambient, I guess, genre. Um, There's some elements of post-rock, I guess, in some of my classical, um, my love for classical that seeps through. But yeah, ambient's a fair fair, um, thing to accuse it of being. (laughs) Accuse it. So how did you get into creating um, this style of music or creating music within this style? I think, um, well, first it, uh, the first thing was getting a taste for, I guess, sort of ambient and slower type music, which um, I've always been a fan of sort of like music that sort of prioritizes um, emotional impact over like a lyrics or a narrative or something. So naturally going along with that ambient would appeal to me. And, um, and then I guess I got into making that type of music after, well, getting a guitar and getting more pedals and then getting uh, um, used to the recording process with other projects. And then I've learned how to play piano in the meantime too. So but those are pretty much my two foundations for for making music under great nature is keyboards and guitar. Um, occasionally I'll bring another instrument into it and maybe some friends to play with it, but I'd say that's what makes the most of it. And um, specifically with making ambient music with the guitar, I sort of like um, making guitar not sound like a guitar. I know at this point it's not a terribly original idea, but um, there's something about in classical music, the swells of like strings, like in a Sibelius piece or something, Mm -hmm. or a Mahler piece that I think is really beautiful, especially in in like a very live, very reverb-heavy concert hall. And like when they... especially in some like slower Mahler sections where it's just they hold the note for a while or like or again like the ending of a piece and you just hear the reverb going on forever and I I think I like trying to trying to create that type of thing with with the guitar which is nice because you can just dial up the reverb quite a bit in the delay and you get something similar (laughs) sure uh well before we talk um too much about your uh, style of music let's hear a little bit this is a track off your debut album, Ascending, uh, called Twin Bodies.
ascending what instruments are you doing are, are you writing all the songs like how much of it is you versus some collaborator collaborators that you had come I would the say um 90 of it's me mm -hmm. like um in terms of what the actual recordings themselves i would say 50 60 of it was me but why i added the other 30 is be, um from me manipulating those recordings that the other people did into ways that didn't sound at all like how they did it hmm. um or rearranging like some of the pieces on the album well tracks i should say on the album were entirely composed of pieces i might have recorded like recording pieces i might have recorded a couple of years even before then and then rearranged it and then and then had something they played more recently and um, put that into it. So it wasn't, it wasn't, it was like I was assembling with like building blocks. Mm -hmm. And those building blocks were just recordings that I had from the sessions. Gotcha. And you play guitar, keys, and euphonium on yep. the album? Yep. Euphonium was the other instrument, which is like a small tuba, as mm -hmm. people like to say. Mm -hmm. I think it sounds a little bit sort of like a mellower French horn. Okay. Um, I think it's really, I only do it in a couple tracks. Um, you can hear it. It's whatever sounds like a French horn. Right. But just to add in one more timbre. Something, more yeah, something that's where a little bit of that classical, I guess in some ways almost, I guess some people would say Godspeed You Black Emperor vibe to it. Say that again? That A Godspeed You Black Emperor, like post-rock type vibe. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, so tell me who the audience is for this music and where do you find yourself playing? I mean, if you're going to get a lineup of gigs, where are they going to be? Um, the, the, the few venues around the D.C. area, like um, there's a Rhizome mm -hmm. in D.C., which is a good spot for experimental music. Sure. Um, another one that um, I've played with um, Distant Creatures at, but also I've seen ambient experimental shows at, too, is called Dwell, which is a, another house venue in D.C. And then um, there's a, a place called The Art Space in Herndon. Mm -hmm. that, um, I'm doing a show uh, later in October, I guess that's very soon, <laughs> um, that hosts this type of music too. Like, um, so I know there's a few spots around DC. Mm -hmm. Um, the label that I'm, that I released this album on called Flag Day Recordings, uh, the guy who runs it, uh, Billy lives in, um, Pennsylvania. I know they have some shows out near the Philadelphia area where he lives of that type of music too. So I wonder if, these performances almost fall into the category of performance art based on the venues where you're going to see this music versus, you know, um, you know, like pop music that you might see at any like rock and roll hotel or something like that. I think it definitely has sort of definitely an art museum vibe to yeah. it in, in a way that like going to a show at, um, I guess the anthem wouldn't sure, like, necessarily. That's a big difference in scope but uh, that's sort of yeah there's definitely a more arty vibe to it yeah i mean kind of like you're going for an experience not just to hear not live to, music i don't yeah. I mean, it's I like think that's a, different, a good way of putting it yeah. yeah uh i did notice there is some talking on at least one of these tracks right that's right um so are you using words to convey messages or just as just like another instrument almost like now we're just going to use the sound of someone's voice another instrument Okay. Um, there's something that I quite like about someone's like the sound of someone talking, but it being covered in 
like by other sounds and layers to to a point where it sounds like it's someone in another room or something. Mm-hmm. But um, especially if it's like like talking a lot, so it almost sounds like a a radio broadcast you can't really hear too well. Right. Um, there's something about that vibe that I like. So I'm curious on the track or tracks on the album that have speaking, what are you actually saying and how do you decide, okay, these are the words that are going to be said right here? Um, I think there's only three tracks that I do that on. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, which is, uh, try to remember the actual name, Eph- not ephemeris. Yeah, I think it is ephemeris. Um, it's me basically talking. I wanted to, I chose what I was saying more out of the, like if you heard a certain word or something mm-hmm. like out of it, you would catch like a vibe about it. Mm-hmm. So basically I was sort of reading off um, some words I wrote about to describe a car crash. Oh. Um, and then another one, actually Twin Bodies has some, and that was just me basically. Uh, that one was more um, random. I basically was just um, saying like letters, mm-hmm. like A, E, mm-hmm. O or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there wasn't really any set meaning to it. Okay. So when you're writing these pieces, how do you get into the mental space? Um, you... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, basically, I, it's, um, I'd say it's more like it just, like I'll sit, start noodling and then something just happens. I don't know if I'm necessarily preparing myself to be in a specific mental state before I um, go and start writing. In some cases, like some of the tracks in the album are completely took me by surprise and wasn't expecting it. Um, but I guess if I was trying to think of like what type of vibe I was trying to get into as I was making it, I guess, um, it would be like something that was sort of, um, a reflective type mood upon, um, like, hmm, it's a good question. <laughs> um, I know with the album I was trying to create something that was, in some ways, sonically describe um, environments, not necessarily just natural nature environments, but sort of like human environments as well, as well, like, like a just a crowded city center or something. Mm-hmm. But then also. Um, like uh, natural scenes as well, like a field of grass or a forest. And um, in some ways, I guess, what I was trying to think about when I was going to make the music was um, sort of capturing not necessarily the human or the, or like the other living elements of it, but, m- but more of the uh, type of like atmosphere and mood of those type of settings. Like what does... Uh, I guess um, a suburban scene at night when no one's out, but there are rabbits and and bats or something like hovering around, and some type of natural life that isn't like humans going on. Like, what what is that sort of like? That might sound sort of silly, but <laughs> no. So, are you thinking um, sort of more like <clears throat> the bigger picture and us being part of a larger environment versus? okay, I'm going to think about this relationship problem that I'm having right now. Like, super specific, this is about me, and see what comes out. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, a, and it's not so much a narrative. 
there's no narrative. It's it's purely, um, purely atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, not not about a specific person or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, another theme of ascending that the album was, um, sort of a nature between the sea and the and the night sky. Um, sort of like if you're looking at a a painting of a night setting where you just see stars and then sort of blending into the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, it can still be like a turbulent type setting. That's why the album can get a bit heavy in some points, but it's also sort of peaceful, but also pretty alien too. Like there's the sky and all the stars. And I mean, humanity doesn't still know what to make of, of space. And then you have the ocean, which is both sort of a life giving and also life destroying. Sure. Um, like uh, thing, for lack of a better word. Um, so I sort of like that duality of something that is beyond our understanding that is both uh, beneficial and frightening at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the overall mood of the album. And I understand you'll be playing a song for us live. That's correct. It's a piece called Dormancy. Okay, so let's hear that now.
So one of the things I was curious about is when you play one of your pieces, do you feel different afterward than you did before? I think so. I think um, what I love about playing this type of music is I, I'm it like it's almost sort of like <laughs> being in a, like under anesthesia or something. It's like, oh. but in a good way. Okay, I was thinking like therapy, but that's in even more way. like intense. Like just being just sort of it's like you knocked out. Like, you go in and yeah. and then I realize where I am mm-hmm. after it ends. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, it is it is like in really intense therapy, but. Mm-hmm. I guess I shouldn't say it's entirely, it's not really, it can be cathartic, but Mm -hmm. um, it's more like, in some ways I'm sort of, I've got an idea, but then I'll, it's an idea that isn't necessarily mine, but something I find interesting, and I just Mm -hmm. came into my head. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I begin playing it, I'm sort of stuck into its its ways. It's like a spell, I guess. Um, But then I just go naturally where it goes, because... In some cases, like with um, some of my music, it will be there's an element of structure, but there's also within that structure room to improvise. Mm-hmm. So wherever that sort of spell force the an- anesthetics lead me to <laughs> is where the piece goes. And then after like I don't know, ten minutes to half an hour, I'm like, oh, okay, I um, that was that was fun. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like the piece is almost playing you rather than you playing the piece. Like right. You might be sort of losing consciousness of what you're doing. Is that yeah, that's, all accurate? That's totally accurate. Like okay. I don't, I will not think about. I mean, I imagine I'm not the. I'm definitely not the only person that thinks this, but or feels this way. But it's definitely like going into, going into it and being aware of your surroundings initially, and then when you and then not noticing anything else besides what you're doing musically mm-hmm. and until it ends mm-hmm. and then you're like okay yeah oh hey working. guys hey I didn't guys realize you're listening didn't realize you were here i <laughs> hope you enjoyed that yeah. um okay and you have a few other projects you mentioned that you're a member of distant creatures that's right i had mina karimi on the show last season um so you play guitar for them that's right i play guitar and also do some vocals as well okay and then you you're starting a new project. I thought I read about. Yeah, that's right. Um, so in addition to distant creatures, I'm also working on another release that's very um, very in the beginnings of its uh, lifespan. But it's a project called Youth in Government, mm-hmm. and it's basically sort of similar to uh, distant creatures, mm-hmm. but it's more of I guess a solo project. It's, so it's um, doing that same type of music. I guess a little little heavier though. It's more I think goth rock influenced. But okay. it's still got that shoegaze, uh, indie pop, Django, ele- Django element as well to it. Okay. Too. And I'll be handling all the vocals for that. So. Um, and you play sometimes with Sam Cooper and the Sleepwalkers? That's right. So, um, yeah, Corey Thrower, that, who you had on. Yes, also a friend of the show. We have a, a lot of overlaps there. So um, yeah, I played with him and Sam Cooper and the Sleepwalkers and... Uh, uh, we haven't had a show in a little bit of a while, but um, there's an album that's in the works currently, and I did some recording uh, during the summer for that. So do you have a day job? I mean, how how are you doing all these different I, musical projects I, I do have a, I do have a day job. It just means I don't have a life. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, music is life. I mean, I think being in a bunch of bands is a life. No? Am I wrong? Uh, I would agree. I would agree. I, I didn't say I didn't. Re- I definitely don't regret it. Okay. Yeah. Good. 
Um, so let's move to your top five. Very well. Your first song was Everlast by La Bradford, which is a Richmond bass group. That's right. And you call this quote one of the musically sobering experiences of your life. So tell me a little about that. Uh, basically, uh, I would say th- this is one of those pieces that when I first heard it, it just sort of put in sort of to perspective what how like enveloping and just like awesome and in the original sense of the word that a piece of music can be like you hear something and you're dead in your dead in your tracks you can't move when you hear it um why i like this piece so much is i like how um, it starts off sort of very ominous but understated with the sort of drone and and again there's like very low vocals too Mm -hmm. that you can barely make out which i think is an influence upon my music but then it just midway through the piece it just bursts like with this wall of sound that's um, both very sort of noisy and um, discordant, but also in some ways very harmonious. And um, I find it angelic. Again, it sort of reminds me of um, classical music, like like a full orchestra being super loud in a very lively um, concert hall where th- overtones are bouncing off of each other. And it's just enveloping and sort of scary. <laughs> In some ways, it's it's like um, it's like seeing God or something. Wow, which is very strong words. Well, but, um, that, I mean, I, the listeners are going to be like, let's let's hear this piece like right now. Um, so, without any delay, let's hear this piece right now. You're listening to Formative Tracks on WERA 96.7. I'm Eliza Burkhan. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Christopher Matthews Larson of Ambient Solo Project Grave Nature. So I, I have to ask, there seems to be a gloominess about a lot of the songs that you seem to like and create, but I don't know if that's intentional. I mean... I think it's intentional in some ways. I, I like melodramatic music. Okay, why is it? Um... I guess I, I just sort of am addicted to, um, maybe not addicted, but I, I sort of, um, there's something about being dramatic that I feel like is both, at least dramatic in a, in a, in a way that's not annoying, um, <laughs> that is sort of, I guess, more reflects how the emotions you go through in life and sort of a more grander on a grander scale of how um, how what you experience through life is can be like like it's not just your day to day and it's not like what I don't really necessarily like what I like about I guess the sort of melancholic and sort of melodramatic music is in some ways it does reflect upon sort of more negative aspects of life but also there might be a glimmer of a glimmer of like light to it mm-hmm. um, like 
it's just something there's something sort of hopeful about it, even though if the music is already very like like a downcast or or it does like me it might be on a sort of negative vibe but it's but when it gets that sort of like epic nature to it um it sort of does it goes beyond just being about like one person and it's more reflecting upon i guess a series of emotions that might be shared amongst all people Mm -hmm. or like um how to describe that just just sort of like more tapping into humanity at large like what it's like to be human versus what it's like to be me yeah i would say it's it's in some ways it's definitely what i like about that it's it's reflecting upon darker side of the human psyche that some music won't go to Mm -hmm. um and darker whether it be sort of malevolent or or melancholic and downcast but Mm -hmm. also um i like music that sounds like it's someone like doing it because they need to have that catharsis need to have some release Mm -hmm. of emotions and especially if you go through moments like that in your life which everyone has right um i feel like to me that's when that's i relate to people who who can express their emotions even negative ones sort of in like a in like a productive and not um and sort of i guess what's the right word um sort of wear their emotions on their sleeve without being i guess without i mean with still while still being like conscientious and thoughtful of other people right, like, like not they're being, being egocentric yeah they're they're, they're being themselves and they're able to um but they're able to handle both their positive and negative emotions well and i feel like expressing um sort of that type of vibe in music in a way that um without it being just woe is me i think is is pretty um something that i like and i think is uh pretty evocative when done correctly yeah maybe it feels more honest than like i'm walking on sunshine all the time like there's yeah. a time and place for that i would agree i feel i feel it's more honest mm-hmm. uh so your second song uh that you listed here is by swans and the song is called blood and honey that's right and you said it's like being deep in Hades. That's right. I think. Um, I think. Go ahead. I think it's the. Well, just the way that um, this was a track from the '80s era Swans when they had a uh, Jarbo in it, who is the one who's singing this track and not Michael Jara. But um. But yeah, like I think it's basically sort of. There's something that that sounds Greek to me because it has that sort of plucked period, uh, plucked prepared piano to it mm-hmm. that sounds so it, it doesn't sound like a like a rock or pop song at all but again it has that this this track especially amongst my five has a very melodramatic very sort of like theatrical feel to it mm-hmm. and that's probably why i also associate it with ancient greece because they have um like those playwrights of course mm-hmm. and tragedies and comedies and it makes me just it just sounds like the soundtrack to a greek tragedy but set in hades where there's harpies and other like there's fire and sure river sticks. Well, you also have Greek philosophers who expounded at length on the virtues of music as a field to study. You know, Plato and mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, 
So not only music as accompaniment to theater, but like by studying and playing music, you can access like parts of your soul and, and that type of thing. Yeah, right. Um, and, and, and including positive and and right. negative as, aspects of your soul. Right. <laughs> okay, let's hear a little uh, Blood and Honey. So you also list a Brian Eno track called an ascending parentheses ascent on your top five. What attracts you to this piece? And is the name of your album like a nod to that piece? Actually, no, I'm, I didn't realize until right now that I stole, nah. stole the name know. of it from that. Stole it. 
Um, I also drive a Subaru Ascent, so there's like, just like a lot of layers here that are crossing over. Um, but musically, uh, there's definitely um, influence that I took consciously from this track. Um, I know um, an ending Ascent, that's the name of it, I believe, right? Yes, and it, yeah, an ending parentheses Ascent. Okay, yeah, an ending Ascent, um, I think it just one of the most pure pieces of music I've ever heard. It's just like, it's very simple, minimalist. It has like maybe two synth lines going on. But um, it's very uh, evocative of space and I guess just, not just that, but also like, and, and this is melodramatic in a way like this Wands track was, but in a completely different emotion. Like this, now this is hopeful. This is like what you would like sort of envision when you're like watching a very like like beautiful mo- moment in a movie like um the main character is dying but he he got the girl or something <laughs> um uh so it's very beautiful but sad in some ways like beautifully tragic like humanity <laughs> <laughs> um not 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 quite but it's definitely um got that sort of poetic like um nature to it i guess in some ways it is what's nice about it um sort of relating to space which it which it does because it was supposed to be a soundtrack for a movie called for all mankind but the album this was on apollo came out actually six years before the movie actually came out oh um but in some ways the music fits the 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 theme of that movie perfectly because it is about um man landing on the moon and it's both sort of like a very uplifting piece like look at we did it but it's also like but look how far we got to go mm-hmm. it's like there's elements of of like just see how many more miles you have to go your your journey's not done yet humanity your journey's not done yet <laughs> on that note let's hear an ending ascent by Brian Eno
So your fourth song is a little bit of a departure from this field that we've been discussing. You picked Roller Coaster by Red House Painters. Um, and I love what you said about this. I'm going to read it here. It's essentially the musical equivalent of looking at a photo 40 plus years old and realizing that everything, everyone has passed on or has changed substantially. So I don't know what else is there to say. I mean, I don't, don't think I have anything else to say about it. I feel okay. like Red House Painters, especially, well, I, everything Mark Kozlik has done in some ways, I think is about, is about reflecting upon times long ago and um, both being nostalgic and sad, but also sort of happy to be where you are at that moment too. Mm -hmm. um, I guess in some ways I like how Mark Kozlik approaches the theme of nostalgia more than anyone else. And I feel like um, even though it's not musically like the other tracks that I'm bringing up today, I think um, thematically it fits because it's writing on one emotion, like one bittersweet emotion, mm -hmm. and is doing it so well. So that's where I feel like it fits with the other ones. Like all of them are very singular pieces of music. Like it's obvious what emotion they're going for, and in some ways the emotion that Mark is going for in this piece, um, he, he, even though what he's singing about and lyrically is, is poignant, I think almost the vibe of it is more effective in some ways. Wow. Well, let's hear a little of Roller Coaster. There's my favorite Roller Coaster Next to the blue water One only sissy's ride There's the sun Going down Creating that fluorescent glow Reminding me I'll never be able Except in memory Your final track is conductor Leopold Stokowski's version of Schubert's Ave Maria. That's right. That was featured in Fantasia. Yep. So you actually heard this song first as a child, right? That's right. Um, I would say it didn't really stick to me at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Um, I'm trying to remember what stuck out to me in that movie. I think, uh, of course, Nightmare in Bald Mountain. This, mm-hmm. The segment right before it is what most children will remember first time since it has that, that devil turn a bog and mm-hmm. then the ghost and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, and I didn't really, I mean, I liked it, but I didn't care too much about it. Um, I think probably around 15, maybe a little bit younger than that, I saw the movie again and two segments of it stuck stuck out quite a bit the Rite of Spring segment for the music but um, the Ave Maria section for the music and and the visuals I thought it was it was just a very beautiful piece of music um, the most ethereal thing I think I've ever heard you have the combination of already the very sort of sad but uplifting melody that that is in the Ave Maria but also you have um, sort of the very 40s lo-fi production that's going on which I think how it just adds this like beautiful like sort of gauze over the like the choir and the strings going on and it has again that sort of that reverb in a lively concert hall feel to it that I love about watching classical music live so um it's just like a trifecta of all all the things I like in music mm-hmm. sort of sad very atmospheric and sort of sort of like sort of distant mm-hmm. because of again because of the recording limitations they had in the 40s when they made it and yeah, um that specific version of Ave Maria at Stokowski since it, since in the mo- in the movie it goes straight from Nightmare in Bald Mountain or I think just Night in Bald Mountain to Ave Maria he includes a little bit of of the Rimsky-Korsakov version of Night in Bald Mountain into the beginning of Ave Maria and that has the flute and opusol and I think it's just absolutely beautiful um one of my favorite moments in all of music well let's hear a little of that
Well, thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. Um, this has been wonderful to talk to you about your new album and about your top five songs. Um, and thanks to our listeners for listening. Be sure to follow us on social media, catch up on archived episodes on Apple Podcasts, and hear the music in this episode on Spotify. And tune in next week when we sit down with another D.C. area musician to talk about the top five songs that made them who they are.